Job 23.10, it says, For he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There's a message I give about that, 23.10, right? He knows the way that I take, right? So I may lose sight of him, but he never loses sight of me. He knows what it will take, right? Without a trial of faith, there's no testimony of faithfulness. He knows why I must take it, right? He, he brought you to it to bring you through it. He knows where it will take me. I may not be able to find him, but his eye is always on me in the process. And he knows when I'll get there. Job was confident in God's watchful eye, wasn't he? You know, I have the, all that marked in my Bible. My wife, uh, a few years back, gave me her Bible that she won at the Sword Conference. It's an interleaf Bible. It's like a blank page. And I want to have a message on every page of the Bible. I remember Billy Graham saying uh, years ago, he said that when he first got in, he was on fire for the Lord. He said that he wanted to be able to open up the Bible in any place at any time and preach out of that passage, whatever the page opened up to. And that's always been my goal is to get there. I'm not quite there yet, but I still got, you know, I think I might uh, pastor to like uh, Lee Robinson, uh, or not Lee Robinson, Bobby Robinson, I think I'll pastor to him about 100 and I'll go into evangelism. But anyways, <laughs> I love that statement. <laughs> come forth at school. Well, anyways, I was going to preach tonight about living in the overflow, and uh, I changed it after uh, your pastor just got me all excited in the beginning of this service. So we're going to go to Romans 5, and we're going to talk about hope is alive again. Hope is alive again. Romans 5, and when you get there, just if you'll stand, it's just a few passages here. I promise I won't keep you as long as I had you this morning. I love being with you people, though. i got to admit, it's a real joy and a blessing to come down here. Um, we used to live in the church up in Fonda, and, uh, and now being in the back up there, I feel like i got my own quarters again in the back there. Maybe I'll stay. I don't know if you're okay with that, but maybe I'll stay. Anyways. <laughs> so, reasonable rent, yeah, and all that stuff. I promise I can do a lot of things in buildings and things like that. All right, Romans 5, here we go, 1 through 5. In fact, why don't you read it with me? Why don't you do that? Read it right with me. Ready? Begin. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, Experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame, because a lot of it is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Oh, Father, thank you for those verses. They are some of the most encouraging verses you could have put in your book for us to read and to live out in our lives. It makes hope alive all the time, every day we wake up, and we're thankful for that, Lord. Bless, I pray, Lord, this message in a way that will give hope to someone who maybe has lost hope or is losing hope. It may not be one of the greatest messages ever preached, but, Lord, it's coming from your book, and it's from the greatest book that's ever been read. So I trust, Lord, that your word will speak to us tonight in a way that will be a blessing to you and glorify thee. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All my years of uh, ministry, which really isn't as long as a, that a lot of pastors have been pastoring, I always try to start off the year with a theme, 
some type of theme in a new in a new theme vision. Do you do that, brother Jeff? Like a theme for the entire year. You start off in January when you're you know first of the year. I just think it gives some people like a uh, uh, some vision, you know, a dream to look forward to, you know, in in the coming year. And uh, in in 2018, I was I was losing hope for our church and. Uh, I, I was, and I was praying for a theme for the coming year. And believe it or not, the Lord laid down in my heart, hope is alive again. You know, hope is alive again. And I, what he did with me is he took me to a verse that I had no idea was going to change me during that period of time, at least what I was going through. He said, in Acts 1.11, says, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall shall so come in like manner as you seen as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's an incredibly hopeful verse to me. Uh, verse 11 hit me. In the middle of my discouragement, I knew that everything we do should have something to do with Jesus coming in again, and anything to do with Jesus coming in again is about hope, right? Anything. So uh, for years I had been thinking about 2018. Now, Humor me for a minute as I share with you some things. On May 14th, 1948, and I know you all know, something happened that is vitally important to the timeline of the Lord's return. Does anybody want to share what, what that is? Yeah, that's right. Israel became a nation. Now, according to the Word of God that I am supposed to know and, and study, and which I do every morning, I get up at 5 o'clock every morning, spend time in the Word, uh, I praying and meditating and reading, uh, in order for Jesus to descend from heaven, he needed to descend from heaven and touch down in Jerusalem. And he needed Israel to be a nation again uh, in the land that he promised them. And that's what happened in 2018. Or excuse me, that's what happened in 1948. So the Bible makes reference, it's amazing, that once this happens, he will begin his descent sometime in that generation. That's the way I read it. Now, I, don't, I, you know, I, don't, I may be wrong, and I don't want to even, even if you've got a lot of Bible scholars here, please don't uh, shoot any arrows up my way. But I like to think about fun things, about the hope that's before us. So biblically, a generation can be, mean many different things in the Bible. It really can. And uh, one possibility is that the lifespan of a person is a generation. That's one possibility. So when the Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 10, the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now think about that. Threescore and ten, 70 years. If by reason of strength, another ten, you're talking 80 years. Anybody that's over 80 here today? Strong people. Strong people. So that means the average lifespan is 70 years old, and if you're a little stronger, 80. Now, if that generation, if the generation that God was talking about is a lifespan, when you add 70 years to 1948, you get 2018. Now, I'm not predicting the coming of Christ, because we're past 2018. But if by measure of strength, right, we add another 10 years, he could be here by 2028. Now, I, I, I am not saying I know the year or that I'm even implying that he's coming before 2028. What I am saying is that we are very close. No, how, no matter how you look at it, we are close to the Lord coming back. And it really doesn't matter when he comes because he's coming. 
but it's fun to think about when he comes. I, I remember as a kid, unsaved child, uh, hearing about the rapture and thinking, I want to be in that rapture. Had no idea uh, if I was saved. I didn't even know anything about what it meant to be saved. But I remember praying for years in my daily or nightly prayer, Lord, when you come, I want to come up. I want to come up in the air. I want to fly away up to, up to be with you. So that should alarm us a little bit, shouldn't it? Once the nation Israel is in place, no other thing has to take place uh, for his second coming. So my hope is alive more than ever, amen? And is yours because it's fun to think about Jesus coming as you recorded in verse 11. But it's also, but it's also a warning to me. Uh, and when he said, why, why are you standing here gazing up? It's almost like, why are you wasting time doing that? There's work to do, amen? So we're living in the most perilous times of history. One of the reasons is because of the nuclear capabilities uh, that they have in this nation. Never, never before have we been capable of annihilating ourselves. Uh, just a few years ago, a tweet went out to the citizens of Hawaii. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, by mistake, it said, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. And it said, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And I just can't imagine. Can you imagine what went through their heart when they thought a nuclear bomb was coming over to that little island of Hawaii? It must have been some panic. And I guess from reading the news there in that time, it was a panic over there, but it was a mistake. It just shows us how fragile we are right now. All life is in peril right now. It really is. Uh, I don't know if I even am quoting this right, but this is the first pandemic that I think of, that I know of, that, uh, is the, that is worldwide, the COVID pandemic. In other words, now the pandemics are going to come, they're going to be worldwide, and they're probably going to be more intense as they come as a pre-tribulation cursor. So I used to, I've used to, I used to say if the nuclear war, uh, if a nuclear bomb is headed my way, I'm going to get my lawn chair, I'm going to position myself out in the front yard, if I have a front yard, so I can see it come in. Because I know in a few seconds I'm going to be with Jesus. And that gives me hope. But Russia is now using nuclear threats. I can't believe they could be that foolish to do that. Uh, but they are. They're using nuclear threats. And I never thought a nation could be so foolish as to think they could win a nuclear battle in, these, in this day and age. Because they can't. Uh, the whole world. Now, I'm not trying to scare you or anything. I don't believe for a moment God will allow us to destroy this world with our nuclear bombs. He's reserved that for himself. And nuclear bomb would destroy the world by fire. And he says he's the one that's going to destroy the world by fire. But biblically, we know it's getting close. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Well, the Lord was saying, stop gazing up. It's almost like you're wasting stop. Stop grieving over his departure and start getting busy preparing for his arrival. Lift up your eyes and look around you. You know, Isaiah 51, 5 through 6 says, My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on my arms shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever. Amen? Hallelujah. And my righteousness shall not be abolished. Um, lift up your eyes, everybody. Look around you. Everything is going to vanish away like smoke, but your salvation shall be forever. And if there's anyone here that is unsaved, 
Boy, you need to get saved right now. You re- really need to give your life to Christ right now. Uh, John 4.35 says, Say ye not that there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, ready to harvest. In other words, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white. They are still in need of harvesting. He is coming soon, and there's a whole lot of work to do yet. So when I, when I read our text verse in Romans 5, I realize hope was alive to Paul back then as it should be for us today. If his hope was alive 2,000 years ago, my hope should be more alive than his was, especially living in a day after Israel became a nation again, especially living in a day when the whole world is in threat. Um, here, Paul establishes the results of one who is justified by faith. And when they're justified by faith, right, there's great hope. And being saved by Christ and justified by Christ, we have three hope-filled things given to us through Christ to empower us in this day and age in our labor for Christ. Um, I, I, I love laboring for Christ. I don't know how well a job I'm doing, but I pray that one day when I stand before the throne that I'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, I may not get to hear that, but I always said, you know, the, Jeff, you'll probably get a front row seat here in heaven up before and I'll have to bring in a lawn chair in the back or something because there won't be enough room for me. And I'll look and say, look at, that, look at Jeff up there. I knew he'd get right up front. you got a pastor that will be right up there. But we have three hope-filled things that, that Paul gives us here in Romans 5. And I want to just go over them for a little bit. And hopefully it just restores your hope again. Right? The first thing is uh, being justified by faith. You have peace with God. Isn't that amazing? Therefore, me just by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I am no longer his enemy. If you're saved, you're no longer his enemy. That ended at Calvary. I'm no longer rejected. That ended with the resurrection. The cross and the empty tomb took care of all that and offered me peace. I remember in Israel, uh, I was at the tomb that what they, uh, at least they call the tomb, and I believe it is that one. They have two places over there. One's within the city, which is the Catholic tomb, and there's the one outside the city that's out Gal- Gal- at Golgotha, which looks exactly like what you would read in the Bible. And I remember standing there and weeping, uh, looking in there. He's not there. He's not on a necklace anywhere. You know, he is, he is in heaven. He's alive, and our hope is alive in him. And I remember them asking me to do the, uh, the, the ceremony over there for the Lord's Supper right there at the, at the tomb side. And it was a real blessing to me. A peace came over my soul when I was doing it. My beloved is mine and I am his. He, is the, he feedeth among the lilies. Song 2, 2.16. Song of Solomon 2.16. That is my new life's verse right then. I, I, can't, I just love that verse. Uh, my beloved is mine and I am his. I, I think about that all the time, that my love for him, I'm saying that, that man, this Jesus, he's mine, and he's looking at me as a child of, that he bought out of, out of sin and, and says, and he's mine, right? And we're going to one day embrace, and so I'm now his friend. I am his son, and I am his, and he is mine. I'm no longer destined to die and to be thrust into hell because I now have a future in him. I am in his family right now. I am no longer a sinner awaiting my punishment. I'm a saint awaiting his coming. 
So if Paul's hope was alive, man, my hope, uh, my hope and your hope uh, should be alive more than ever. My peace isn't coming someday. I have it right now. I don't need to stand around gazing into the heavens, hoping that he returns. I'm not wasting my time on the field and pulling out a chair every night and just looking up and saying, well, I want to just see him come. There's a whole lot of work to do right now. The truth is he's already returned for me when I accepted him as my Savior. He now dwells in me. So ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So he is in you if you're saved. He's in me. I've been born again. My hope is not dead. My hope is just as alive as it was for Paul 2,000 years ago, and just as sure as if I were standing in the presence of Jesus Christ right now. I don't need to stand around like others, gazing in the sky, just hoping for one, hoping one day I'm going to go to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven, and you should too. I know he's returning for me. Therefore, I have work to do until he comes for me. Don't get too caught up in this world. Get caught up with the Lord Jesus Christ and what you're going to do in this world for him before he comes, because it's close. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. You know, I, I think about that verse, and you could actually take it two ways. Well, you could lift up your eyes and look for his coming, or you can lift up your eyes and see what needs to be done before he comes. Because this, that phrase is used both ways in the Bible. Lift up your eyes and, he's, and, and watch because he's coming, but lift up your eyes and look around you. There's people everywhere that need him and that need to be saved. He's not coming this time as, as a savior. This time he's coming as judge. And when he comes, the offer of salvation is over. I need to stay busy winning souls, not just gazing into the sky. I only gaze up there to remind me he's coming, that's all. Not to hope he's coming because he is coming. Therefore, I need to see the fields. That's what I need to see. I need to see the fields of souls who need to be reached before he comes. And I have to set my sights on there and do whatever I can through prayer, giving, and understanding of what is coming uh, to help we reach uh, the world for Jesus Christ. Have peace with God. Secondly, we have access to God. You know, Paul's referring to Jesus Christ, uh, in referring to Jesus Christ here, we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand. He says it again in Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. He says, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. That word access has the idea of, now listen, admission. It has the idea of admission. Man, if that doesn't float your boat of hope. In other words, uh, I, I, my hope is alive because I've been given privilege, the great privilege of going straight to the king in his throne room at any time because Jesus paid the admission price for me with his own blood. I can't work for it. I can't earn it. I can't pay for it. I can't achieve it. I have nothing to offer him, and the privilege was given to me by Christ. Isn't that amazing? So there are no guards keeping me away. There's no purchase price that I can't pay. Jesus purchased my access himself with his own blood. He paid it all. Amen. That's my favorite hymn. Jesus paid it all. And I've been justified by his faithfulness to me. 
Let us therefore come boldly. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And boy, are we in a time of need right now. Do you know what? Do you know that we not only have literal access to God through Jesus Christ, but we have legal access? We're legally His. I have the same access as Christ has to the throne room because I am a legal child of God. Uh, he adopted me. He bought me. And then he brought me into his family legally. My admission price has been paid and gifted to me by my acceptance of Christ. My, my acceptance letter was written in blood and guaranteed by the atonement that Christ made for me. And the appro the, my approach permission has been granted to me by the judge himself, which is also my advocate, which is Jesus Christ. I can now come boldly to him. My hope is just as alive as if I were there with him right now. Hallelujah. I, um, and that brings me to my third point. Fine, and finally, because he, we have been justified, we have hope in God. Our hope is alive and should be alive more than ever right now in the greatest opportunity of a lifetime right now in this world and this nation. I, I just can't believe what, how, that I'm living in this day. It just amazes me that I was allowed to be uh, birthed in this time period of what's going on in the world because we're so close now to the end, but we're, we have so many great opportunities now uh, to reach uh, the world for Jesus Christ. We can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because of Christ's faithfulness. And it reminds me of Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. He says, uh, in, uh, Jeremiah said this, This I recall to my mind, to my mind. Therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. You know the rest of it. Great is thy faithfulness. I wake up every morning with hope because my mercies, his, I should say, his mercies won't let me go. Uh, I wake up every morning with hope because his compassions are going to never fail me. I wake up every morning with a lively, living hope because his faithfulness is great toward me and towards you. If that was all I preached today or tonight, I think that's enough to say hallelujah. Glory to God, right? But no one can take away my hope in Jesus, but there are so many people still out there without hope, looking forward to nothing. Um, I was so sorry to hear about your pastor's brother and his passing just recently. Um, and there's, and, and, that, and I, I think of what Pastor Crabb says, you know, he's not the only one. It's happening all over the world. And you have to remember that. Hope is looking forward with certainty to the good things that is coming as if we already have received it. One day I'm going to see David again because I know he trusted on Christ. I remember him at our house and uh, he was a great uh, encouragement during that time when he was there. And because we are at peace with God, we know we have access to his grace by faith. So hope is alive in us now. But what about all those people out there that are suffering right now? We can rejoice in our hope but many can't do that. Do you know it says here that hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. 
One of the amazing things about when you're called into the pastorate that I didn't realize is that he gives you a supernatural desire for people. And, he, and, he, and, he, and it's almost like he injects you with this empathy to have compassion on people. Where it didn't matter to me before that much. It's all matter was me getting through my life. And then all of a sudden he calls me, saves me, and calls me into ministry. And all of a sudden my burden is not so much for myself as it is for the people that I'm ministering to or trying to find for Christ. And because of the hope we have stemming out of our justification, we have nothing, it says, to be ashamed of and nothing to fear. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to go up to anybody and talk to them about Jesus Christ. There's no, I don't have any fear because I'm not ashamed of my Savior. The glory that God works in us outshines the darkest of times and the most miserable people. And it will come through the troubles that we face for our, uh, for our faith, you know. All because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That though, uh, the thought is that we need not be ashamed of our hope. In other words, if you're hopeful, you should be shouting from the rooftops about it to everybody that you talk to and see. Our hope should not die with us, right? It should carry on to our families, and we need to take the hope to others without being ashamed of doing that. I don't know where you all work. I don't know what you all do for a living, but I know this. You've got people out there that, are, that know that you're different, and, and they may try to push you off or hold you back, but I, I believe all my heart they really want you to say something to them. They want you to open up so that they can pry a little bit to see what makes you different and why you have the peace of God. The same hope that did not die when Jesus left us is the same hope we have for the lost and lonely soul. That hope is alive more than ever. God needs Christians whose hope is so alive, their hope spills over onto others that have no hope. American humorist John Billings, he said this, I'd rather know a few things for certain than be sure of a lot of things that ain't so. I agree. Right? This book that we hold in our hands right now is full of certainties. Right? He saved me, he uh, goes with me, and he never leaves me, he loves me, looks after me, even longs for me. That's always amazing to me. You just look it up in, in the high priestly prayer of John 17, verse 24. He looks after me. He longs to be with me. He takes personal care of me, and he promises never to lose me. Uh, these, are, these are the type of certainties that just give us that hope. This book is full of certainties to the soul who has lost hope. And the only way people are going to get hope is to get them into the book to see where their hope is. Christians, please don't take this the wrong way, but if you're living for yourself, you're of no use to Jesus right now. If all you're doing is going through life to live your life, make a paycheck, pay your bills, and do nothing else but that, uh, then you're of no use to Jesus right now. Because you have a hope that you shouldn't be ashamed of and you should be sharing it to everybody that you can. Too many of us are spending, our, 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 uh, spending way too much time gazing into the heavens when we should be grazing in the trash of heap of this world. You know, I've been on several missions trips. I remember one that I went down into uh, Dominican Republic and into a cane field uh, where we stayed in there with the Haitian people, the poorest people of the, of the world. And uh, they live in little um, shanties. That's all they're living in, out in that field. Just to pick, they just pick uh, cane all day long. And I want to tell you, but their hope is alive there. It really is. I remember at 5.30 in the morning... Um, 
uh, it was about five in the morning, I should say, and I hear this, this choir of ladies singing outside this, these heavenly chants. And I, I, I said to my son, I said, what is that? He says, well, any time a preacher comes in from outside, they feel like it's a gift from God, and they get up, all the ladies in the area, and they just stand outside the window, and they sing blessings upon the preacher that's there. And that's what they were doing for me. But one thing that really got a hold of me there and in Philippines is how many people live in the dump there. A literal dump like you have right here. They're living in that stench. That's where they are, people, and that's where we need to go. They're, we need to graze in the trash heaps of this world, you know, the sinful, and get these people out of there and get them saved. He will come when he's ready, but until that time he does, we have to get busy giving people hope. Too many people today are standing, gazing into the sky, hoping God comes when they should be blazing new trails for Jesus Christ. And I would hope, I would hope this year in 2022 that uh, someone would leave this church into the mission field. I, I would hope this year in 2022 someone would step out into the pastorate. You know, I would hope that that would happen from this church. There's way too much staring and not enough sharing today. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, uh, the evidence of things not seen. Notice that faith is a substance of our hope. Love is a servant of our hope. It really is. If we truly hope, we say we have hope, but our love for others proves whether our hope is real and whether we really believe it. So how you love others reveals how genuine your hope is in Christ. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, 1 Peter 3.15, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In Proverbs 13.12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, and but when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. That's amazing. I used to, when anybody was um, suicidal, and they'd come to me, I would, I, would get, I would say, now before you do anything, before you decide to do anything, I want you to come over here and just talk to me and give me five minutes. And it always would work, and they'd come over for five minutes. Then I had a contract that I had written up, and that contract said, you will not attempt suicide for the next three months, <laughs> right? And, and allow me to talk to you through those three months. And then they would sign it, and I would sign it. Now, this is a true story. Just the other day, on my Facebook page, I posted something, and a man, years ago, that had signed that contract, got saved, now living for the Lord, and he wrote on there, uh, Mr. Wade Prime, I want to tell you, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be alive today, and I'd have no hope. There are a lot of sick hearts out there right now with no hope that... We have to be ready to give an answer to every person for the reason we have hope. For there is, you know, I think of Job. Here's something interesting in it. Job 14.7, for there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Here's what he's saying. I took this, I mean, this, this really hit me when I, when I figured this out. What Job is saying is this like in his own life, there will be times when God will put an axe to your tree. You know? You're sprouting, going where, doing things, and all of a sudden he hits it with an axe and everything comes down. 
And God does that from time to time. Yes, he does. Um, he's, he's been doing that to me uh, for two years now. You know, I've been by the brook being fed by uh, ravens and, and drinking out of the brook right now, waiting for what God's going to do with me or where he's going to take me. There will be days when it will be hard to give hope to others when you're suffering yourself. And Job was just referencing that. Job felt those days all the time, but as you can see, he never gave up hope. His life would reach the next generation. And what, how do I know that? Because in his suffering, Job reminded himself that even if a tree, if you just take the illustration of a tree being cut down, there's hope that its roots will sprout another tree in its place. I mean, I can't see. I, 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 my hope, me and my wife, we, we all at time think about what, what our grandchildren are going to do and, and children are going to do. I think of Brother Wood and his, his daughter there. He's on that piano. I, I'd, I'd do, I would have done anything to have that type of piano playing up, up at home. Pastor Crabb was an amazing play, piano player, and every time he would play, it just brought hope to my soul. Do you know why people commit suicide? They just simply give up hope. That's all it is. It's nothing more than that. They may have done something wrong, but it's really not the guilt that does that. It's just they give up hope. They don't have any hope. They're tired of trying, and as a result, they, they just lose all hope. And then in a fleeting moment, what do they do? Of despair, they do something they, could never, uh, they can never take back, and all they need to do is stop trying and start trusting, giving their life over to, over to Jesus, and he would restore their hope. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, hope is a sightless confidence in a coming surety. Hope is God's holy ointment for the grieving, fearful, and a suicidal heart. Hope brings life. When it comes to hope, it's not what you hope for, it's who you hope in. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to hope for anything satisfying or permanent in this life. But boy, people are after it, aren't they? It only says to put your hope in Jesus. And we struggle with hope only when we take our eyes off him. That's all. And when we put our eyes on ourselves. And even though we are saved by faith, fulfillment of our salvation is yet to be seen. I mean, I, I, it's, I'm glad I'm saved. Right? Yeah, but I can't even believe what it's going to be like in eternity. For the which cause I also suffer these things, 2 Timothy 1.12. Nevertheless, he says, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believe and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? That day that I'm with him. I am personally persuaded I'm going to be face to face with Jesus. I don't doubt it for a second. Are you persuaded of that? Then what are you doing with that hope that you have? There's so many people out there that need it. I, it, if we are persuaded, we are supposed to give others that same confidence we have in Christ, who is the reason for our hope. Don't let anyone stop you. Do you know that Paul closes the book of Titus with these words? He says in Titus 2, 13 through 15, and we're through. He says this, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. These things speak, he says, and exhort and rebuke 
with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let them see the hope that's within thee. Let them see the hope that's within thee. This church is a beautiful church right here in Greenville. And I think about all the people that are moving here just to get out of the states like our state, New York. You know, they're coming down. They're looking for some type of hope out of a state that's uh, completely out of control. You know, I've even, we've even thought about moving down ourselves uh, just to come down this way to get out of that state. But if all they're hoping for is just a, a new home and warm weather, I mean, uh, they're going to eventually lose hope even in this area because they've got to put their hope in Jesus Christ. Let them see the hope that is within thee at Choice Hills Baptist Church. Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you right now, and uh, let me just pray for a minute. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that's what it says, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.